Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode. Today, we are very much in job search mode. So we're gonna be sharing with you uh, kind of top tips and thoughts around what you need to think about when you are asking questions of a potential employer. So if you Google it, there are a million and one pieces of advice out there for what questions to ask if you're the hiring manager. And we've covered some of those in our episode on how to be a great hiring manager. But what we wanted to do today was to kind of help those of you that maybe get a mind blank where you're like, I want some really good questions to ask when I go to this interview, but I'm not sure what's appropriate. I'm not sure what I can ask and what I can't. So, Pam, is this something that comes up when you're prepping people for interview? I would imagine it does. Yeah, I think once people get over the the prep the general prep where they're kind of researching the company and they're thinking about what questions might come up and what their answers might be and then all of a sudden they go oh what questions am I going to ask at the end because it's always an afterthought but it's the best way of making that interview a two-way process because it also it gives you that extra information that allows you to make a more informed decision. Because if you don't ask those questions at the end, if you don't ask for that information that you need, then you're only you're making a one-sided decision, aren't you? You're just making a decision based on what they know about you without you really getting to know them and understanding a bit more about them. Yeah. And I feel like as a candidate, it's almost that it can be in the absence of preparation, it can be another pressure point because they say, what questions have you got for us? Or have you got any questions for us? And if you haven't prepared for it and you kind of freeze and try and come up with one on the hoof, then you're being quite passive in that situation. And that the pressure's on and you're supposed to ask questions but then it's kind of trying to find something that maybe that interviewer or that interview panel hasn't heard before or that will spark their thinking or that will actually be kind of an interesting conversation point as opposed to you going through the motions and asking the same questions that you've asked every time you've been for an interview. So I think it's really helpful to have some kind of ideas and thoughts, but almost to as well be kind of flexible to how the interview's gone, what's already happened, kind of what you genuinely now still want to know and how you want to continue that conversation with them. So do you have kind of set questions that you recommend to clients? Do you have kind of a whole menu of different questions for them to kind of pick and choose? How do, how do you work this bit when you're preparing clients for interview? So generally I have like top four questions that I like candidates or uh, like clients to to ask at interview and for me these are the questions that 
help build that rapport so you can start a conversation and you can find out more about them but then equally it opens it up for them to explore more about you my top question and the best question that I think you can ask at interview as soon as they ask if you've got any questions for us while everything that you've said is still fresh in their mind it's like is there anything else that you want to know about my experience and that opens up the conversation then for them to either they'll think about it and they'll either say oh actually there was there was a point that I wanted you to expand on or when you were talking about x I didn't feel like you gave us enough information so then that gives you the opportunity then to get into the conversation and provide that extra info and on the other side of it if they say no then psychologically they're like that person was amazing because I have nothing else to ask them and you can walk out of that interview knowing that there was nothing else they wanted to know because you asked them the question yeah Yeah, I feel like that's a really smart question to ask people and the version of it that I tend to use is was there anything that about my experience that might make you hesitate or you need me to expand on in order for you to make the decision about this role. And I wouldn't recommend it to kind of ask it in that form in a first interview. So I feel like the the version I use would be very much at a final stage. It's almost, again, the same principle that you're talking about of getting them to kind of mentally do that checklist. But I feel like yours is far, far better worded for a first interview stage or kind of that panel interview and then you you might have a, a different exercise to come back and do later where you've maybe not quite got to that stage of, of kind of but you hopefully can kind of get them to like you say mentally tick off and go oh they're great yeah and that that is the thing isn't it because you want them to to be thinking like that candidate was great they answered the questions really well there's nothing else I wanted to know and as you do get further along in the process like if you're on to like second and third stage that way of asking is quite a light way of asking so you can also say have you got any reservations about offering me this role which is really direct and I think it takes a lot of courage to to ask that question because it is very direct and it will for most um interviewers that will be like a shocker of a question but not in a bad way I think it it just it's just one that's going to make them think on the on the spot again but in a more direct way and if if I think about when I've been recruiting and I've done a lot of recruitment over the years those those questions that stop and kind of make you think and that you haven't just net immediately got an answer for are often the ones that really like speak about that candidate and so I can imagine with the right candidate somebody saying to me have you got any reservations I would really be impressed by that question being asked and by it it would prompt me to be quite honest and straightforward because I'm quite a direct straightforward kind of character too and I think by that kind of later stage, second or third stage, you've got that feel often for kind of the culture and the business and how direct you kind of will will work. So yeah, I I love that one as well. So you said you had four. So that was the first one was all around that kind of, have you got everything you need from me? Is there anything else that I need to share with you? What else? 
So the next one I recommend is what's the best thing about working here? Because I feel like that is, it's a really nice question. It's quite a soft question, but it really gives somebody the opportunity to to show you the passion they have for the company. And I think you can tell a lot from what they say they like best about working for the company. You can really get a feel for, is this right, is this the right company for me? Just based on what they say. And I think these questions are, the, these are the answers that are going to help you make the decision. So asking what is the best thing about working here is going to really give you an insight into what you really like on the inside definitely like that will get you a real view of the culture it will get you a view of that individual and especially if that person is the hiring manager and you're going to be reporting to them and you've asked them that question you want to get a feel for them as a person and what they value and what's important to them and that question will allow you to really like you say see their passion but also I think it's it, it can be really interesting to see what are the things that they value. So if they're talking about, for example, training and development opportunities and opportunities for internal progression that they've had, and that's what they really appreciate and value, then that potentially is something that you, you might also want to know about and you might also value. So equally, it can be that if they're talking about that it's a really sociable business and people do a lot of socializing outside of work, actually that might be something that you're kind of like oh no there's, there's some things aren't that a real marmite where you're kind of like oh no that's if that's the best thing I that's not for me that's not what I want yeah and that's the thing and I think that's where then the interview becomes a two-way process because you're finding out more about them through those questions so rather than just asking questions that you think you should ask ask the questions where you feel like you'll get something back that will help you with that decision making and make it that two-way process you need to almost take control of that process and make it a two-way process because if you don't it will always be one-sided and the employer will always control that process yeah and I think doing it in the right way it feels good for for them as well if you do it in that way that you spark rapport and you spark conversation and you're interested in the answers that they're going to give then that's a really interesting conversation for that recruiter that hiring manager and I know when I've been on that side of it I've really enjoyed it when people ask questions that I maybe don't get all the time or questions that make me think or that that, that kind of question of what's the best, what do you think is the best thing about working here? That for me would always be one that would be kind of like, oh, like what what do I think is the best thing? So it would make me think and I would really enjoy that kind of spark to my own thinking. So yeah, I love, I love that one. How about three? So three would be, how would you describe the culture? Now, this is a question that I think you could have got a lot of this information already. So if if you have, then you wouldn't want to ask that question again. But if you still think there's a lot more that you can learn about the culture, then this is a great question. Like, how would you describe the culture is a question that will also help you to glean a lot of information about that company, the people in it, how it's run and whether you'll fit in or not. I love that. And a a version of that that I really like is 
what happens here that doesn't happen in other businesses? And that's one that I heard from Adam Grant, who is an organizational psychologist and has his own podcast and does loads of leadership work. And the reason he suggests that as a question to get an insight into culture is that if you just ask about culture, people will often kind of have that answer. Like that may be a question that they are more likely to have been asked before and they may kind of gloss over and have a surface level answer. And if you ask people what are the things that happen here that don't happen in other businesses, that really cuts to the chase of what is different about this business. Because anyone can say we're really inclusive. It's a really fun place to work. We work at pace. We're very goal driven, all of those things. But to try and identify what's different about what happens here compared to what happens in other businesses is much more individual and much more kind of targeted and will will make people have to really think about, okay, what, what does set us apart? Like what is different about us compared to somebody working somewhere else? So yeah, I, I feel like it's so important to do your research, like you say, on, on the culture and get an understanding, but also to really kind of nudge and prompt and get, I think when you see the whites of somebody's eyes when they're answering that question, you get a different answer than all of the previous research can can give you. And they might be aligned and they might kind of tie in with each other, which is great. Sometimes they might not. <laughs> but it's all good because you need that information to make a decision, especially if, for example, you're in a situation where you're in a toxic workplace or you've got certain issues with the current culture that you're in or the manager that you've got asking these questions will give you far better insight than any research that you can do because you'll be able to see their body language you'll be able to see their reaction to the question and you'll get that like off the cuff answer which when you ask somebody and you put somebody on the spot that's generally the answer isn't it that's like the most truthful answer that you're going to get when you put somebody on the spot yeah definitely and so what's your final one then so the final question is how would you define success in this role and again it links in nicely with all of the others because how they define success is really going to help you with your decision making because then you'll know is this somewhere I think I can fit in do I think I'm capable of delivering based on what they're asking for and does it sound like the type of role that I still want, that I still want to apply for, that I still want to be in this process for? And I think it also can help give you an insight into. So one of the things that I see with my clients is that one of the biggest frustrations is when a role's been created or when they've been recruited into a role. And the definition of success is kind of murky or ridiculous mm. so it can be that if that if somebody doesn't understand this role and you're going in as a specialist it gives you that view of is that person on the same page are they going to be realistic so if I think about marketers for example some of the things that people have been challenged to deliver in terms of leads pace of growth some of those kinds of things it's like 
but there was never any evidence that that was possible. And this is a new role and there hasn't been a standalone marketer before. And now you're suddenly wanting marketing to deliver all of this from scratch in a newly created role. And I think if you ask that question of, okay, so what's the definition of success? That can sometimes prompt some kind of red flags or some areas for further exploration because you can get that sense of, are the expectations realistic? Is this, and and that's probably less so in very established roles. So if you're in perhaps a bigger corporate where you're going to be replacing someone who's left or who's moved, promoted or moved on, then that definition of success in the role is probably going to be kind of clearer that there's a path to follow. If you're more in that kind of startup scale up kind of business, then that question can massively help you to get that understanding of, am I on the same page with this? Do I feel like what they're expecting in order for this role to be considered a success is realistic? Is it something that I'm invested in delivering or do I feel like they're a bit pie in the sky with what they're hoping or expecting? And and do I feel that they actually even know? Because again, in that kind of smaller startup scale at world, sometimes roles can be created and people can start recruiting and they haven't fully really got their head around exactly what do we need and they'll kind of use that recruitment process as a bit of building that picture of what do we want what do we need what are we seeing and then kind of develop and evolve it which I think from a candidate perspective can be quite frustrating and so I think that question really comes into its own to kind of get you that steer of if I get offered this do I actually know how I'm going to be measured yeah, I think that is that is key. And also things like if if I'm going to be measured against particular targets, like did you achieve those targets last year? Like what does that look like? Like how many times did you achieve those targets? How many times was the bonus paid out? All of those things will then come from what they talk about. And this is where then you open it up into that two-way conversation. You ask them to define success. They define success. And then you can then further question them around the different areas and it is about making sure that you've got every base covered so that you you're making that informed decision I think it's important as well to not gloss over this so I'm just thinking of example of things like you know project and program management roles where you might assume that the, the metrics are really clear has has the project been delivered on time to budget might feel like that's quite a clear metric But actually, it could equally be that there aren't the systems in place. The last 17 projects have overrun. And so in really understanding, well, what does success look like? How often have those metrics been made in the past? Well, if that typically this is an organization where that's been the case consistently, that things haven't been delivered, then it prompts that thinking about, okay, so what's what's then different about this? What is it? Is it that you've got people who are inexperienced? Is it that you haven't got the supporting reporting systems that are allowing me to kind of manage the project effectively? And you can then start to think about what what might be the causes of some of that? And is this something that I want to kind of come into? And again, I feel that there's people that I've worked with who had they have asked that question and had they done some of them the associated digging like you're saying of okay how often has that been the case before how did the last three if if one person hasn't performed okay fair enough but if 
nobody in that role has ever performed in the business, well, there's often then a case of either the company is not set up to really allow that role to deliver or the expectations are just a bit nuts (laughs) or it could be that there's something that really needs to shift and you might be the exact person to be able to unlock it and you can really then coming come into your own by being the person that can unlock it but you're not going to know if you don't go down that route of questioning you don't really understand how are you measuring success and how has that how has that played into how it's achieved or not up to this point yeah exactly and once that information then you can come out of that interview knowing going through those questions knowing that you've done the best you can knowing that you've got all of that amazing information that you couldn't just get from their website and you can go away and have a think if I get this offer or I get to the next stage do I want to accept it do I want to proceed and I think that that knowledge is power isn't it in in that situation and that will help you to take control of that interview situation as well yeah absolutely so Do you kind of feel like there are different questions then for different stages? So we talked with that kind of first question around kind of how that that might shift depending upon what stage somebody's at. Do you feel like there are other questions that potentially would be more appropriate, but maybe not at an earlier stage? Yeah, so I think in terms of the early stage, the first stage is generally a screener. Most employers are just going to get you in front of them, whether that's virtually or face to face. And they just want to see what are you like? How do you come across? And it's it's good for you to get a feel for them as well. But you wouldn't really want to be asking those more in-depth questions at that early stage, that screener stage. Generally, the screener will be like, 30 to 45 minutes or something. So you probably just want to ask around what what is the next stage? How many candidates are in the process? And this is a funny one because people always think they can't ask how many other candidates are in the process. And it's one of my favorite questions at an early stage because I want to know if I'm in that process, how many people am I up against? And not so that some people say, well, I don't want to know because I'll be stressed out thinking about it. But actually you do want to know how many candidates are in the process because if they've got loads and loads of candidates in the process this could become a really long drawn out thing or if they've only got a couple then you're like okay well this could be quite short this could be a short process and I could have an offer within a week or two if they've got tons of candidates to coordinate interviews for then you just know it's going to be a long drawn out thing and that can help you make decisions on whether you interview at other places or not and all the rest of that kind of thing. So I think in the early stages, you just want to know more about the process. And also, is there anything else you want to know about my experience at this stage is is, is a good question. Every stage of the way, um, every step of the way. So it's just in those early stages, you just want to kind of get enough information in terms of like, what is the process? What's next? And then as you move into the second stage, all of those questions that we've just covered there, they're ideal second and third stage questions where you glean in that extra little bit of information. And the early stage is just really where you just kind of like, are we going to do this? Are we going to carry on? What What's the process? How many people have you got in the process? What What are the next steps? I think is, is ample at that stage. And I think particularly around the timeframes, a lot of people don't think to ask at the first stage around what what are 
the timeframes that you've got in mind for recruiting for this role. So the candidates and the timeframes are really helpful for you to know as a candidate, because that if they've got seven candidates at this stage of the process, that it's probably going to take a while for those seven people to all go through the first stage. And so you don't need to panic if they haven't phoned you back within 24 hours to invite you to another stage. Equally, if you that their time frame is that they want to get everything done and dusted by the end of this week, that they are pacey and that they're on the ball. And that's, again, good for you. But at the same time, it gives you the awareness that if there is a second stage or a presentation that I need to prepare or something like that, it gives you that awareness. And you can be then thinking about how am I going to create the time for that preparation? How am I going to fit that in? When might that be? And you might not have exact days and dates, but if you've got that in mind from the off at the beginning, then that's really helpful. I think the other thing from a recruiter perspective is there's nothing worse when you're doing a screening interview and then somebody has like gone to town with creating all these real in-depth questions and they pull out a piece of paper and want to ask you 20 questions. Like you've got to read the room with that recruiter, that hiring manager, that interview panel, whatever it is for yours. You've got to read the room and understand what is appropriate and feasible for people to have. Because if somebody is doing several screening interviews, one after another, after another, they've probably blocked out on 45 minutes. And if you've gone to 35, 40 minutes and they're looking to wrap it up and then you start asking them all of those deeper questions, you're not going to create a great impression because you're not going to create the impression of being someone who can read the room. You can leave those questions for another stage unless they are kind of deal breakers for whether you would want to accept and come to another interview, then really totally agree with you. It's got to be about kind of the process and the understanding of timescales and what comes next, as opposed to getting really into the detail with it. Yeah, definitely. And I think another thing as well, what one of my clients, we were talking about this way, maybe before we started recording and, and I had a client a couple of years ago who's goal at the end of that interview was to make the interview a squirm obviously you want to put them on the spot to a certain degree because you want you want the real answers you want the you want the truth of what's going on inside that organization so he asked them some really tricky questions about the company things that they probably should know but didn't know and he really put them on the spot anyway he went through multiple interviews and he wasn't getting any job offers and then he came to me for interview prep and we went through everything and then obviously we get to the bit the questions to ask at the end and he said well this is where it gets really interesting for me because this is where I make them squirm and I thought okay well let's hear what you've got to say on this anyway my advice to him was you don't want to make them swim at the end of the interview. You don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Yes, you you can ask them questions like, have you got any reservations about offering me this role, which might shock them and might put them on the spot for a second. But you don't want to make them squirm. You don't want to make them feel bad. You don't want them having a bad impression of you or feeling that you you showed them up in their own interview so you want to think about what questions can you ask that will allow you to glean that information without putting the interviewers 
in, in a situation where they don't really know how to answer or they haven't got that information, even though it's information that they you feel they should have. You just don't want to probe for that real in-depth company information that they might not have or be aware of. So that is probably my top tip. Don't make them squirm. Ask them some nice questions that allows you to, to get the information and the answers that you need to make a decision. But I could not, not believe. Yeah. <laughs> when you told me that story, I was like that. Oh, what? <laughs> Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Yeah, it's so self-defeating, isn't it? To yeah. kind of almost be like, right, I'll show you. It's kind of like... No, it's two-way, but it needs to be like friendly yeah. two-way. And he was such a great candidate as well. And then literally the next interview we went for, he changed his question and at the end and he got the job offer. And it was like, what a difference that made. And he said, I thought, he said at the time, I thought that my way was the right way, but actually I see where you're coming from with that now. And he got the job offer. It made the difference. So it does help. And is is there anything else that 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 you think we've missed or that that you want to cover before we finish up? Not that I think we've missed, but I think there's probably a couple of others that I would just add into the mix. And I think we're going to create a, a checklist with a, a download, not a checklist, but kind of more of a a download that people can use to think about what questions you might want to take from it so we'll make that available in in the show notes so a couple that I've included on there are what would you want to see from me to make your life easier as a manager and I like this one because this is obviously to ask at a kind of later stage if it's the person that is interviewing you is going to be your direct line manager and what I really like about this one is it helps to position you in that interview stage as somebody who wants to make your boss's life easier. And their answer will, again, really help give you insight in terms of, are they most going to value your technical knowledge and expertise? Are they most going to value that you will lead and manage the team so they will have kind of less noise, if you like? Is it mostly going to be that you will be able to create a new process or a system? So it's it's kind of linked to that one around defining success, but it's positioning you as someone who is going to want to make your boss's life easier. And what boss wouldn't want that? Then one that I really like is what has either this company or you, as in the interviewer, what can you tell me about what you've learned over the last 12 months? And again, I really like this one because it positions you as someone who expects continual development and learning and expects that that will be the culture that you want to be a part of. And if a company or an individual can't tell you what they've learned over the last 12 months, then personally for me certainly that that one if somebody couldn't answer that and couldn't give me some good examples then I would see that as a red flag because I want to work for businesses where there are things being learned where there is development where there is change happening and so for me what that one does is helps you to kind of see how they take the learning and how they are able to articulate what they've learned and I think in terms of 
kind of the types of character, what you'll you'll then see is do they find it easy to admit about learning or are they kind of wedded to trying to be knowledgeable and well we haven't had to learn anything because we're brilliant already type approach so yeah those are just a couple of additional ones that I would kind of say I think are are worth considering because of again how you'll get that kind of response and what you'll be able to interpret and kind of get a steer from how they how the company is how the culture is in that business and in that team so I think that brings us to the end for this episode and as I say we'll link to those other episodes and we'll link to that download in the show notes so next time you are going for interview you'll have those available and be able to kind of just pick out from those which feel most right for you and I would say like you can go in with a few questions noted just don't feel like you've got to ask 17 questions and go through all of them every single time so yeah we'll we'll make that download available so that you can prepare and that's the end of the episode so thank you as ever for listening we hope that this one has been really kind of practical and really helpful for you next time you're going for interview if you have enjoyed it then please rate and review and if there are any topics that you want us to cover then as ever just get in touch with the dm and we'll be more than happy to record an episode especially for you what more could you ask We'll catch you next time.